You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. The podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie, if you want, for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag, and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in DarkPod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout. And you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off. And then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal. And this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners. And I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. I'm, of course, your disabled Dick Smith, 
your number one queer cripple, your your disability awareness consultant and all those beautiful things I am. My name is Andrew Gerza, and let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this show started. Just want to give a quick reminder that if you are listening on Wednesday instead of Thursday, that means you get the show one day early and you are a supporter of the show, and you you also get a weird shout-out on the show for me, for putting down your hard-earned dollars and being a Patreon supporter. If you want to get the show one day early and a sexy, weird shout-out from your number one queer cripple, you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. So if you're able to, I would love your support because this show is fully 100% independently produced by me here in my bedroom, and I'd love your support. So if you can do that, that'd be great. Thanks, friends. All of you beautiful listeners of the show from all over the world, thank you very much. All of you know how I created the show three and a half years ago, having no idea what it would become and what I would do with it. And I really didn't think that anybody would listen to my little show or anybody would really care what I would have to say about sex and disability. I really, truly was like, and I've said this before, I know, I really, truly was like, I'm going to, I was going to make 10 episodes or, or something and then be like, oh, no one cares. We're done, I guess. But it's gone on to be what it is, and I am so grateful and thankful that it is what it is. And you all know, as I've said a number of times on the show, almost every time, that I make this little show out of my bedroom in Toronto entirely, 100% independently. I have no team of people behind me, no producers, no editors, and believe me, some weeks I'm like, I really wish I had an editor for this, because I'm a shit editor, believe me. But I have no team, I don't have any of those things to make this show go it is literally just me in my bedroom with a mic and an amp and my macbook being like okay i have things i want to talk about let's record things that's literally how i do this and i really enjoy doing it because it's it's it brings a level of authenticity to my show and to this topic and to like it's like us sitting down each week and getting cozy and comfy and being together and talking about this stuff in a way that isn't overly produced and way too slick I really like being able to bring some of myself into these conversations and really be vulnerable with you as I do that. So I really, really appreciate that. And I really, really appreciate that it's just a little show that I do. It's not the biggest podcast in the world. It's never going to be that. And I'm just really proud of it and for what it is in the podcast landscape. So you can imagine my surprise when I was hanging out one day last month and I got an email in my inbox letting me know that this show was nominated as part of Queer Tea's Best Podcast of 2020. Now, Queer Tea, if you don't know who they are, they're a gay digital magazine, and they do stuff around queerness and out in the LGBTQ community, and they've profiled me a few times for work that I've done and things that I've spoken about, and they've, they've featured me a couple times, so it's always nice to get a nod from them. And so... When I saw that I was nominated, this when I saw that Disability After Dark was nominated, I was absolutely gobsmacked by this recognition. I guess it's because, in part, I am really shy. I know my my online persona may seem really confident and like well assured, but really, I'm just a ball of mess and like not confident at all and not really self assured in any way. So I'm not really. 
I was really, um, I really undervalue the work that I do a lot of the time, and, I, and I, the stuff that I put out there, I never think that what I do is good enough, and I can certainly attest that I never thought that we'd be as far as we are here with this show. So I was absolutely excited to be nominated. I was also in a nomination category for podcasts with Queerty. I was, I was nominated for the best podcast. And I was in the running with shows that I love, like Cameron Esposito's Queerty, RuPaul's What's the Tea, Race Chasers Done by Alaska Thunderfuck, and uh, Willem from Drag Race, which is amazing and which is like really cool. Um, and I just I never thought that I would be in the same stead as these shows. So I was like, when I got the nomination of my email, I was like, wow, this is new and different. Okay, let's see what comes of this. And also, it was really cool when they did the nomination at Queerty, when they put all, the, all, of, all of the nominees for podcasts up together. My picture often ended up next to RuPaul, which was like, that is just amazing. Because again, I don't think that I'm some big celebrity. It was just really cool to be to be in that same category and be like directly beside a picture of RuPaul, me. This little thing that I cobbled together in my bedroom. It just it's really it was a big deal for me. So I remember looking over the email again when I was nominated and I got and I noticed that in in the nomination email there was an invite to a party happening two weeks out in Hollywood that all of the nominees for every category were invited to. So everybody in, in Hollywood was invited, like, all the queer people in Hollywood were, were invited to this party, and I was invited. And I looked over the invite again, and I convinced myself that, oh, no, I can't go to Hollywood. It was just not possible. And, you know, we all know how hard it is to travel when you're disabled, especially to book anything last minute is really, really hard. And so ultimately I decided that it was really nice to be nominated, and I was really proud of that, and I was going to, like, take that nomination and be like, yeah, that's cool, I got nominated, but I'm not going to go to this party because the logistics just don't work out, and I don't need to go to Hollywood, There's no, it's no problem. So I filed it away, I filed the nomination away in my head, I, I thought that was cool, and I carried on. And I thought, oh, okay, well, they're going to have this party, it'll be nice, but I don't have to go, I'm not going to do it. It just doesn't make sense. I just didn't want to have to deal with all the hassle of trying to get there with my wheelchair and all the things that come with that. I just didn't think that it made sense for me to do that for one night. It just wasn't, didn't feel worth it initially. And also because, like I said, I was really shy and kind of awkward. So I was like, well, I don't need to go to this party. I'm not a Hollywood person. Why do I have to do this? Truth be told, though... I couldn't stop thinking about what it would mean for me to go to Hollywood and to do this award show and how important it would be for me to represent the disabled community at this award show and to be there in my power chair and to do all these things. And I kept thinking about it for days and days on before I, you know, before I had decided to do anything, I kept thinking about it. But I was like, no, no, I decided not to go. I can't go. I'm not going to do this. I don't, I didn't have the money to go and I just... The logistics of me trying to get to Hollywood with my chair and all these things just didn't feel like it was a reality. So I was like, nope, not going to go. Not going to do it. But then I called my mom and I told her about the nomination. We were on the phone and I was like, well, hey, mom, I got nominated for this award uh, from Queerty for the best podcast of 2020. 
um, and for the best queer podcast of 2020, and it's in Hollywood, and, like, that's really cool, hey? And without missing a beat, my mom was like, oh, my God, you have to go. This is super important for your brand. You have to go. Can you do, a like, a flash GoFundMe campaign? We're going. I'll do your care for you. You have to go. And she said it, like, a bunch of times, and she was like, no, no, you have to go. This is really important for you. You have to go to this award show, Andrew. You have to go. And I was, I kept being like, well, I'm not sure. Like, no, it's really hard. And I don't want you to have to do all the care for me. No, no, it's okay. And she's like, no, no, we're going. We're going to figure it out. We're going. We're going to go together. And so the next thing I knew, I was on the GoFundMe page, campaign page, creating a campaign to get myself to Hollywood. And I still can't believe that it happened. I'm, I was gobsmacked that one minute I was making the show in my bedroom, much like I am right now. And the next I was off to Hollywood to represent the show to do that and it, it just was it's still surreal that it even happened i've been back now for a week and a half and i'm still like whoa this is this is just crazy this is crazy so i put up the gofundme campaign and i thought oh, I, I probably won't make a lot and nobody no like it's not going to it's not going to happen the minute i put it up and i explained what it was for People started helping out and people started donating right away because I explained, like, getting to Hollywood is hard. Getting Hoyer Lifts is getting all these things that I need to do to be in Hollywood. Getting transit to and from Hollywood is hard. All these things are really costly and if anybody could help, that'd be great. And I didn't expect anything. And within seven days, I had $2,000 enough to cover my hotels, flights, and getting there. And it was just, and also my attendant care. And I was like, I was just so excited by the fact that people wanted to see me represent on this on the red carpet at this award show, and it was just so cool to know that people, people like you, beautiful listeners like you, wanted this show, one of the only shows talking about sexuality and disability consistently, was gonna go to Hollywood and be represented along with like other queer heavyweights, and that just makes me so happy to know that people wanted this to to be a thing, and I'm. So grateful to, to see people wanting me and my little show to, to succeed. So thank you so much. But I want to tell you more about what happened on my, just on my journey to get to Hollywood because a lot of it has to do with accessibility and I felt it was an important topic to talk about today. And so that's what this episode is going to be all about. So now that we had the funds to get the show to Hollywood to Hollywood and to get me to Hollywood to, to, to be nominated for this award. The next thing I had to think about was booking a last minute flight as a wheelchair user. Now usually I don't book flights when I do talks or stuff like that. I let the people that are hiring me book all that stuff because it's often complicated and I, I'm often, it's really tough to get all this stuff done sometimes and I usually like to let the school take care of that so that I don't have to worry about it. Um, but if I do have to book a flight for myself for a talk or something, I usually do it months and months in advance, and I don't wait um, less than two weeks out. And because they because this was less than two weeks out, I had no I had no choice. I had to I had to book it then. And so I was on hold for two and a half hours with the airline. And when I finally spoke to an agent and explained what all my disability needs were. I explained I needed the bulkhead. I explained I needed special seating. I explained all about my wheelchair to this person. And I spent ample time laying it out for them, which I do every single time I fly. I lay out for them exactly what is required. 
I tell them about the specs of my wheelchair. I do all these things. I lay it out every single time. And every single time some shit happens. And it's never the way it's supposed to be. And so I set it up with the agent. I sat on the phone for two and a half hours. And finally the agent says to me, Okay, so the flight you booked, is, she calls me back actually. She says, oh, the flight we put you on doesn't work because your wheelchair is too big for the plane. And I was like, what the fuck? What do you mean the wheelchair is too big for the plane? And she was like, yeah, our plane to LA is really small at the time you booked. And the time I booked was 11.45 a.m. To, to fly out of Toronto into LA a couple hours later because I like the later flights because if you book an early flight in the morning it's really tough to get accessibility needs which we'll talk about in a minute and she was like well that doesn't work your chair's not going to fit the only other flight we have open to LA that day is at 8 a.m and I was like well okay I guess we'll take the 8 a.m flight I'm not super jazzed about it but okay sure let's do that I just don't understand how in 2020 we're still saying things to customers like, especially disabled travelers, like, hey, uh, your wheelchair is too big for our plane, so you have to rearrange your life. Not like, hey, let's get another aircraft for you so that it'll work for you, but let's make you change all your plans because we can't accommodate your stuff. Why is it 2020 and disabled people with complex disabilities and other disabilities can't fly comfortably. Why the fuck are we still having this conversation? It's super annoying and I was really pissed off when I had to, to go back with the the flight person and fight with her about the size of my chair. What the hell? Come on. It's 2020. So yeah, the only other flight they had which would accommodate my chonky wheelchair was at 8 a.m. flight, which means that I have to get up super early and getting up early when you're disabled and you have complex disabilities and a lot of needs is a whole intense level of clusterfuckery because of scheduling nightmares because you have to coordinate whether or not your attending care workers are available, whether you can get early AM transit to and from the airport that is accessible, which is, given where you live, this can be super complicated based on what you have available to you and so so a lot of disabled people i i think and i could be wrong correct me if i'm wrong tweet me about it if i'm wrong mr andrew gerza on the twitter um but a lot of disabled people i would imagine choose like a mid-morning or mid-afternoon flight because it's easier just to coordinate all those things rather than doing it first thing in the morning at like 5 a.m to get up to your flight so i had to book my attendance early, early the day of the flight, and the only time they could get me up to get me to the airport for 5 a.m. was at 2.45 in the morning, and I had just come in from Boston because I did a talk at Tufts University in Boston, and I had just come in that night back from Boston, and I had to get like six hours sleep and get up at 2.45, and I was not happy about it at all. I was really, really upset, and I was really pissed off because... Changing the flight meant that I had to coordinate attendance and all these things, and it was just really, really hard for my disabled body to manage all this stuff. And so when you tell somebody that their wheelchair doesn't fit and they have to take a different flight, 
they have to consider all these things when flying. So we really have to make air travel so much more accessible than we have currently because it just fucks the disabled person's day up entirely when the flight has to change. So I was cranky and I was pissed off because I had to get up so early for this for this 8 a.m. flight to be at the airport for five. But I did it and all I could do was remind myself just how important it was for me to be in Hollywood and to do this to do this award show. I was like, this is iconic. This is powerful. Do this. You, you just get up and do it. So I crankily did it. We got to the airport. We got on the flight. The wheelchair fit in the plane just fine and was not damaged by the airline staff, which seriously, though... Every single time I fly on a plane, I play this little game with myself and whoever I'm with to see which part of my wheelchair they'll damage this time. I'm like, I bet you this time it'll be the joystick, or I bet you this time it'll be the brake shaft, or I bet you this time it'll be the battery. And I, I always play a game to see what they'll damage. And surprisingly this time, on the flight down to Los Angeles, they didn't damage the chair, which I was so surprised they didn't, because usually they always do. Okay, so my mom and I make it to Los Angeles. We get off the plane. Everything is fine. The chair works. And then we had to find transit from LAX to our hotel. And I decided to be super fancy and book us at the iconic Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel, which is really, really cool. It's where a bunch of celebrities from the 20s stayed. Marilyn Monroe's in there. Um, and I'll get to that a little bit in a little bit, but there's a lot of celebrities that go there now. It's literally right across from where Jimmy Kimmel does his show. It was super, like, cool, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to book it there, and yeah, yeah, we're going to go there. So we had to get from LAX to the, to the hotel, and we needed to find accessible transit, and we were lucky enough to find a transit service called Flyaway that would take you from one point to one point from LAX, like, Pretty close to our hotel, a couple, a couple blocks away is what we thought. And we managed to get my power chair, my shower chair, because I brought my shower chair with me. And we managed to get all of that stuff in there for $8 each to take us to pretty close to the hotel, or what we thought was close to the hotel. Um, and so we mapped out how to get to the Hollywood Roosevelt, to Hollywood and Vine, which we thought, looking on the map, was close to the hotel. Yeah, it was about 10 blocks down, which would normally be okay because my mom could walk and I could just take my wheelchair. But my mom was also carrying my shower chair, which is a little, which everybody with a disability knows how flimsy and how like ridiculous shower chairs are. And so my mom and I had the shower chair with us full to the brim in suitcases. And we had to walk down the Hollywood Walk of Fame with really shitty curb cuts my wheelchair, the shower chair, and suitcases. Um, the curb cuts were super steep and super, like, cracked, and it was really not fun to go down them. Imagine trying to push a shower chair with a bunch of suitcases and have your disabled son in tow with you. That's what my mom and I were doing when we got in. We were trying to get to our hotel down the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I always pictured strolling down Hollywood Boulevard as this sexy, glamorous affair. And I want you to picture this realness right here. Picture my mom wheeling a commode chair full of luggage that is not cooperating with her and is swerving all over the damn place and me in tow behind her being like, okay, mom, I'm coming, okay, I'm coming. And it was just really hilarious because 
I don't think when the star when the celebrities got their stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, they probably never imagined that Andrew Gerza's shower chair would be rolling over their stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, but that's totally what happened. And looking back on that part of the trip, I kind of am excited by that because I'm probably the first disabled person ever to bring their shower chair onto Hollywood Boulevard. So that's pretty iconic, I think. I'm an icon because I brought my shower chair on Hollywood Boulevard, right? Totally, right? So we finally made it to the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel and I was super excited because it was the deluxe accessible suite with a roll-in shower and everything. And I was like, okay, they, they called it the, the deluxe suite and we're in Hollywood. It should be amazing. And I remember when I booked it, I was like, okay, we're in Hollywood. It'll, it'll be totally fine. And I don't know why I, th- like I travel so much and I know that usually accessible is usually not accessible at all. And... There are usually a ton of issues, and I wasn't really wrong here. There were a ton of issues with the accessible suite at the Hollywood Roosevelt initially. The room was not super laid out well for power wheelchair users, not really at all. There was a lot. There was barely enough room in the in the accessible suite to for me to move around, and there was barely enough room for the Hoyer lift. There was barely enough room for the shower chair. There was barely enough room for my luggage. It was just really hard to get around, and I was like, I remember going in the suite thinking, or in the in the room rather, thinking like, oh, this is not at all accessible for a wheelchair user, and I was really annoyed. We had to spend hours with the concierge, the great people there, and they were super kind to us. We spent multiple hours our first night there in Hollywood, moving the furniture around the room, and moving the bed around the room, and taking the carpets out, and doing all the stuff to make the space just sort of accessible for me to move around. It was not fun, and if I'm honest, I was ready to like go look for other accommodations in Hollywood because I was like, this is not what I signed up for. This should be accessible. What the fuck? Why isn't this happening? I was not. I was just not happy. I was really, really angry, and I, I was just not, not pleased at all. So that first night we managed, but the next morning I got up with my mom and I just had a big cry. I was really unhappy. I was really not pleased and I got up and I had a huge cry because I wanted it to be accessible and I I was like I don't understand why it's not accessible I I somehow imagined Los Angeles to be this accessible mecca and this mecca of accessibility and it just wasn't and I was super just really not happy with it and I'm not sure why I somehow thought that LA would be accessible I thought you know the stars lived, lived there there's no snow there's money coming in out of here so of course it would have to be accessible, and this would be, you know, what I thought was the perfect place for a power wheelchair user, and I was really wrong, very, very wrong. Hollywood is super inaccessible to somebody with a power wheelchair, um, and so I had a big cry, and after my cry, I went down to the manager at the front desk, and I put on some, I was going to put on some Disabled Diva vibes. I was like, I want something done. I'm here for an award show. I'm nominated for an award about disability. Don't they know who I am? Okay, that's not at all what happened. Actually, what happened was I hate confrontation, and I really don't like to to, to make people mad. So I went down to the front desk, and I was like, Hi, um, could I speak to the manager, please? And that's when they sent me the amazing Beth. And I want to tell you all about Beth, because she did some great things 
for me when we were there. And so she, Beth comes down and says, Hi, my name is Beth. I'm one of the managers here. And she was absolutely incredible. I can't tell you how, how awesome she was about listening to my concerns. She spent nearly two hours with me going all over the hotel, coming up to the room with me and looking at, at the inaccessibility of their supposedly accessible suite. And she took copious notes with me. She was extremely upfront with me about the stuff they didn't know and about what they could actually do and about stuff that she didn't realize she needed to fix. And she listened to my concerns as a disabled person, most importantly. And that made me feel really validated being in a space where I could use my expertise to make an iconic hotel more accessible. And they were like, we, we love what you're saying. We want to try to put some of this stuff in practice and we'd love to keep talking with you and I just thought that was really cool she walked me around the grounds of the hotel and told me a little bit about stuff and during the tour of the grounds she said to me do you want to go and see the penthouse where all the celebrities like Brad Pitt and Prince stayed do you want to go there with me and I was like of course I do so we went up there and she showed me like this amazing suite it was called the Clark Gable and the Clark Gable and something else suite. It was on the 12th floor of the hotel, and it was beautiful. And it, it was it had been redone a few times, but it's been there basically since the 20s. And it was just really cool. And we talked about accessibility in there, and we talked about all these things. And so then Beth took my mom and I down to, to a fancy lunch at the pool bar, and we could see where Marilyn Monroe used to live in the hotel and it was really really cool and I was just really kind of gobsmacked by all the by all the history in there but also most importantly how awesome it was that a manager from the hotel realizing that their hotel wasn't actually as accessible as they thought took the time to listen to me and figure out how to make it as accessible as they could for the time being and that was that was super great so if you're disabled with a power chair and you need somewhere to stay Go to the Hollywood Roosevelt, and they will do their best with you to make it as accessible as possible. And I was really, really excited by how caring they were to me when I would explain my, what my concerns were. So then, my mom and I were sitting around the pool, kind of lavishing in the, the awesomeness of this opportunity, and I admitted to her that I was actually pretty nervous about the award show that night and I wasn't even really nervous about winning or not winning I was just nervous about being the only power wheelchair user in the room at this award show and being the only disabled person visibly at this award show with all these supposed celebrities and my mom looked at me and reminded me that I that I had done this that I had brought myself here and that I ought to be really proud of it and to revel in it and and to just enjoy it for what it was because these opportunities don't come around very often and so to just to let all the nerves go, to realize how silly all of Hollywood was generally, and just to enjoy the moment and not worry about being the only disabled person in the room and not worrying about all that stuff and just let it be what it was. And I tried really hard from then on to do that with her and to just enjoy our time together. And to really have my mom there with me was, I really, really am so thankful that she was with me in Hollywood to see what this little show had grown into and to see this advocacy work had turned into me being in LA for an award show because of it. So that's, it was just really cool. And I was really proud to have her there with me. 
And so then we had lunch at the pool. We did, had that talk. And then we decided to go get ready for the big award show. And I was super excited. And I'll tell you exactly what I wore. I put on a crisp blue shirt, a nice dress shirt. And I had a pink boa. And I put on my winning smile. And I was, we were all ready to go. And I was going to call a cab to head over there. And again, I naively thought, we're in L.A., I can easily call a cab. Some sort of disabled cab will show up and it'll be just fine. I forgot that L.A. is super not accessible for wheelchair users again. Um, I called the cab company and they were like, oh, it's going to be about an hour or more for us to get a cab to you. We can't do that right now. Best of luck to you. Find your own way there. So my mom and I mapped it out. We realized we could walk there in four minutes. And we were like, okay, we'll walk there. No problem. And then so... As we were walking there, we saw four disabled cabs from the place I called that told me they couldn't get me a cab for an hour. Four disabled cabs, empty, like, as, as we walked there. And we were like, well, this is, that's not true. So, L.A., I don't know what's happening with your transit or your accessible options, but, wow, you have to do much better. Particularly Hollywood. You have to do so much better for your accessible transit. It's a tourist area. It needs to be like chock full with accessible options because disabled people want to go and do the Walk of Fame. They want to do all these things. So you need to have these options for them, Hollywood. Just saying. So we made it to the place. We get to the awards reception which is at a bar called the liaison and we got in there and we got signed in and then the queer people that nominated me ushered me onto the red carpet which I thought was really cool because and I love this part so much because everyone had to move for me to take my pictures they had to move for me so that I could get my power chair to get through and I loved it so much because they got to the organizers got to see what having a power chair on the red carpet was like. And there's there's pictures of me and there's imagery of me. Like, there's video of me, I think, getting on the red carpet. And I just thought it was really, really cool. And all of a sudden, being the only power wheelchair user at this queer event was really, really important for me. And, and it, was, it just took on a whole new meaning once I was there because I was like, wow, I really am representing a whole bunch of disabled people here and I was like super nervous but there I was at this queer event in Hollywood in my power chair and so it just felt that whole thing felt really really important for me and I'm just so I'm still so flabbergasted that it even happened but there I was on the red carpet in Hollywood like wow and so as my mom and I took our seats for the event which was me kind of like finding a spot in this event space because they didn't really plan it out for anybody with mobility devices. P.S. Anybody doing an award show, a big award show like the Tonys or the Oscars or even a smaller award show, make sure you consider accessibility because, like, they didn't do that here and so we had to fight our way through crowds to get me in a proper seat and, like, there need... If, if, I, if a disabled person is nominated or is presenting in an award show or something like that, there needs to be so much more thought about accessibility. And I knew that I hadn't won the award because I was looking on the stage and I realized there was no ramp. So I already knew that I didn't win because I was like, there was no ramp here. So I definitely didn't win. So, but I, it made me think about needing access needs for presenters at award shows, all that stuff. And so, 
So I urge you, Hollywood people, or anybody listening who does award shows, think about Rams, think about access, think about all that stuff. Like, we saw Ali, Ali Stroker at the Tonys not be able to get up on stage. Like, we need to do better than this. And, and my award was a much smaller scale than that, but it made me think about what if I had one? What would they have done? Would they have scrambled around the room looking for a ramp? Like, come on, they had, to, they needed to do better. And even if I didn't win, they should have had a ramp anyway, because what if I wanted to be called up on stage for some reason? Who? Nobody knows. But there should have been access there. And I was... I urge anybody doing award shows and Queer Tea, anybody listening from Queer Tea, um, consider that for next year. Even if there is no disabled person at the award show, have a ramp anyway, because it could help people with back issues and stuff. So have have these things on hand and ready to go. So we partied a little bit more. We said hello to some people, handed out some cards, and then we left because I didn't I didn't I didn't get the award and what's fine. The awesome people at Race Chasers got the award, so Alaska and Willem from Drag Race got the award and they actually mentioned me on a recent episode of their podcast saying that I had spoken about that I had tweeted about how there was no ramp on stage. So thanks Alaska and Willem for that. I think it's really awesome that you won and I am honored to be in the same category as you and, and thank you for mentioning me. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, so we didn't win, but I was just so proud to be there and I was so proud to represent um, disabled people at this big queer award show. It just it meant a lot to me and I'm, I just wanted to give you a glimpse of what that experience was like for me. Um, and then when we were coming back from the award show that night, I got an email from the hotel letting me know that as a show of good faith for the lack of accessibility that they had initially when I got there, they were like, we want to offer you the pen, the penthouse for, the, for our last night there. They were like, we want to offer you that really cool space where Clark Gable lived and all the stars went. Um, Brad Pitt stays there. Prince stays there. They were like, we want you to to stay there for a night. Would you like to do that? And I was like, sure I would. So my mom and I got to stay our last night in Hollywood in the penthouse where like all the celebrities go. And it was kind of cool because basically I got to sleep in the same space as Brad Pitt, the guy who basically helped me realize that I was gay in the first place, which helped me get into the advocacy work that I do talking about queerness and disability. So... Thanks, Brad Pitt. Also, and most importantly, I was naked in the same space as Brad Pitt, and we were naked in the same space. Not in the same room together, but we were naked in the same space where we'd both been naked, which kind of makes me, as a queer person, I feel like I, I feel like that's really important and cool to talk about because like, I, I definitely want to be in the same space where Brad Pitt was naked once. Like, that's hot, so... I just can't believe that me, little Andrew from Toronto, got to be in the same space where Brad Pitt once was. Like, that's pretty cool. That's really, and it's also really hot. So I was excited by that. And I was really thankful for the hotel for doing that for us and showing that they wanted to to make us feel at home there and letting us do that. It was cool. And it felt super Hollywood. But of course, as we were leaving... The day after, as we were leaving, 
to get ready to go home, the airline let us know that we didn't have the bulkhead seating, so I spent an hour in the in the iconic Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel yelling at the airline staff because they didn't give me the bulkhead seating. And then when we got on the plane the day of our the day of the flight home, we had to ask an old elderly couple to leave their seats because the airline didn't plan properly. And so it was a clusterfuck getting home too and I'm I felt really bad because we had to move some poor couple out of the way just to get home. But that was the that was my adventures in Los Angeles and I wanted to share them with you the amazing listener for for helping to get this show to go to Hollywood. I wanted to just share my adventures in Los Angeles with you because because of you and your listenership to this show, this show was able to reach the heights that it did. And I just wanted to thank you for listening. And there will be many, many more shows to come. Um, I'm just kind of rambling now, but thank you so much for listening to the show. And for I hope you enjoyed this little discussion of me trying to get to Hollywood to to be nominated and all the accessibility pitfalls that come with that. But I wanted to share that with you. And uh, thank you for this little episode that we did just now. And uh, there will be a whole many more to come. And... My name is Andrew Gerza, and thank you so much for listening. Bye. All right, Disability After Dark listeners, this was another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com where you can book me to shine a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between for you and come to your next event by going to andrewgerza.com slash press kit and you can hire me there to come and do cool things for you. You can also see some of my writing and, and places where I've spoken to. All that stuff's on, available on my website. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, you can go to DisAftDarkPod. And I do a lot of polls there and I ask you things about sex and disability there and all that stuff. You can follow me, Andrew Gerza, personally on all social medias at Mr. Andrew Gerza on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Mr. Andrew Gerza is where I am most reachable. I love being on Twitter and talking to you about this stuff. If you want to be in touch with the show about being a guest, whether you have a, a guest suggestion or you want to be a guest or you want to have a show idea or things like that, you can go to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and pop us an email. Let us know what you think. If you also want to leave a five-star review, wherever you get get your podcast for this show, it will help this show gain prominence. It's, it's a really important show because it's one of the few talking about disability each and every week. So I'd love for you to leave us a five-star review. That'd be great. Um, thank you all so much for listening. And um, we'll be back next week to get comfy, cozy, and crippled together. All right. Thanks, friends. Bye. If you want to support Disability After Dark, you can head on over to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and you can support the show by pledging $1 a month or $5 a month to get the show one day early and with a weird, sexy shout-out from Andrew Gerza. Your support means the shows like this and shows specifically about disability can keep going on the air and I really, really appreciate it. So if you want to shine some light on the show, pledge if you can. Thanks for listening. 
Copyright Notice. Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuji. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be distributed or used without express permission. Copyright 2020.